0: Thank you brother thank you worship team as always for leading us into the presence of god through praise and worship what a powerful time of worship we've experienced right here this morning there's so much power in that last Psalm because it's just so true the bible speaks that we can grieve the holy spirit do you know that the bible says that we can quench the holy spirit that's a very dangerous thing and that's something that we never want to do if we are to allow the Spirit to do what He wants to do in our hearts and lives in these services, then we must be obedient to Him. We must be submissive to Him. We must allow Him to fill us up and use us for His honor and His glory. We cannot quench Him by wanting our way and not His way, by serving uh, our purpose instead of His purpose. And so uh, we must, we must allow Him to have His way and have His will, do His work, because that's truly what changes lives. Everybody take your Bibles. Turn with me please to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Years ago, there was a song written by Bill and Gloria Gaither entitled, I'll Have a New Life. Does anybody remember that? We used to sing it a whole lot in, um, in the church that I grew up in and the old hymn books. And I, I always loved that song because, man, you're talking about the, uh, the Truth of the Word of God just written on a songbook page. That's really what it was. It, it's fantastic. I, I'm not going to sing it for you. As I've told you before, that wouldn't be a blessing to nobody. But I do want to read for you the first verse in the chorus because, man, it's so good. This one it says, On the resurrection morning, when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Listen to this next part. Sold in weakness, raised in power. I love that. Sold in weakness, we're going to talk all about that this morning. Sold in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Aren't you thankful for that? You know the scripture teaches that for every blood-bought, born-again believer who's placed their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, we all have the promise of a new body. I've got a promise of a new body because I've trusted in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've trusted in Christ as your personal Savior and you've been born again, you too have the promise, according to the Word of God, for a new body. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up about that because it seems as though this old body I've got right now is wearing out pretty quickly. This body that I have now is falling and fading away just this morning, my wife woke up and she said, honey, I don't know what I've done to my elbows. It's, it's, it's hurt me for some reason. She said, I think I slept on it wrong. And I said, honey, we finally made it. She said, what are you talking about we've made it? I said, we've made it to the point where you can hurt yourself sleeping. So you know, you know, and I've done that too, man. Sometimes I'll wake up and be laying on my shoulder. And when I wake up from from sleeping and my head on my shoulder like this, it's almost like there's gears grinding in there and it wants to lock and stay in that one place. It never used to do that. Why is it doing it now? Because this body is falling and fading away. I woke up two days ago, and as soon as I woke up and put my feet on the floor and started to stand up, I said, snap, crackle, pop. And Brandy said, honey, we don't have any Rice Krispies. I said, baby, I wasn't talking about cereal. I was talking about my knees. Does y'all's knees do that? Mine didn't used to do that. But now when I get up in the mornings, man, everything pops. I'm like a 22 rifle going on. I don't know what's happening. I'm falling and fading away. My body is and so is yours. I'm not trying in any way to be morbid this morning. I'm really not. But I'm just trying to state the facts and share the truth. We're all headed towards death. As a matter of fact, the moment we begin to live, we begin to die. We did. And I wish I could tell you this morning that there was some way we could run from it, hide from it. I wish there was some way that we could maybe prolong it more than what it's supposed to be. But the truth is, the Bible says, every man has an appointed time. It is appointed unto man once to die. You know, I think there's certainly things that we can do to make the quality of life that we enjoy better, but I don't know there's a lot we can do to lengthen our days. That's pretty much already set the way God wants it set. I've got an appointed time, and you've got an appointed time. Amen? Heard one writer put it like this. He said that beating of the heart in your chest is really the muffled drumbeat of a funeral dirge. And one day, that drum's going to stop. And when it stops, I'm going to face death, and you're going to face death. Again, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to be real. I preached a message last week to uh, at a funeral just last Sunday evening, and I told them what I want to tell you this morning. Death is a decided fact for us all. It's coming for me, and it's coming for you. Regardless of how much we run from it, it's coming for us. Do any of you ever remember a man by the name of Jack LaLanne? You may remember him. I remember when I was a kid because he had all the infomercials on TV. He's known as the, uh, the the father of modern fitness. Jack LaLanne had the power juicer, if you remember. He created the power juicer and sold him on an infomercial on TV. And I can remember when I was this little boy, he was probably in his early 70s then and he was, um, man, doing things that normal 70-year-old men would not able to do. I mean, he was running marathons, and he actually went and swam uh, 20 miles at one time off the coast of California in his early 70s. I think he was like 73. And he made the statement then. He said, you know what? Not only am I going to do it at 73, but because I've got my power juicer, and I believe in the power of raw vegetables and fruits, I'm going to swim it again at 93. And guess what he did? At 93, Jack LaLanne swam another 20-mile stretch. It's amazing. At 96, he was quoted as saying, I cannot die, for if I die, it would ruin my image. He also said he was the preacher for the here and now, just like Billy Graham was the preacher for the hereafter. Jack LaLanne was very prideful in his health, in his wellness, and in his juicer. That was at 96. Three months later, he caught pneumonia and died. Listen, Jack LaLanne couldn't run from it. I don't care how much juice he drank, and we can't run from it either. Death is a decided fact for each and every one of us. Do you know that? The Bible teaches that when we die as believers... As blood-bought, born-again believers in Christ, when we die, our body goes back to the dirt, to the dust from whence it came. That's for every one of us. Our bodies go back to the dust. From whence it came. But now listen to me. That soul that God has given will live in eternity somewhere. If for the for the blood born-again believer, when that body goes back to the dust from whence it came and it's buried, listen to me now. That soul, the Bible says, will go and be with the Lord forever. The Bible tells us, Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8, to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. That's the promise we have. Listen, our last breath on earth is followed by our first breath in heaven. Praise Jesus. We have the blessed hope of eternal life. That's for the believer. For those who reject Christ, for those who say no to Jesus, for those who will not trust in the finished work of Christ, the Bible says this. The Bible says those people who are lost have no other hope but an eternity in a devil's hell when they die. They too will live forever, just in a different place. This soul that God has given us is eternal and will spend eternity somewhere. And that where is determined by who you've trusted in. If you've trusted in Jesus, the Bible says you have a home in heaven. If you reject Jesus, the only hope you have is hell. But now listen to me. That body in the grave, God's not done with it. The truth is, what I see before you, or what I see before me and what you see before you, that's not really who you are. That's just the house we live in. (laughs) Amen? I I know Andy for who he is, you know, in, in his physical body, but that's not really him. That's just his tabernacle. That's his earthly tent the Bible teaches one day Andy will leave this tabernacle here and he will go to be with the Lord amen just like I will it reminds me of something I read a while back about a man by the name of peas his name was p-e-a-s that's his last name on his tombstone this is what it said this ain't peas it's just the pod peas shelled out and went to God that's exactly right That's what happened. This is just the pod. But one day, we're all going to shell out. And this soul within us is going to go to one of two places. That's for me. That's for you. That's for everybody. Now now listen. Listen. God's not finished with this body. Do you know that? Do you know the Scripture teaches there will be a resurrection of all the dead in Christ? Do you know that because Jesus overcame the grave, all who are in Christ will also overcome the grave? This is the blessed hope and the promise we have in Christ. And the Bible tells us all about it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start with verse number 35. Brothers, I'll be reading this morning from the New King James. 1 Corinthians 15 And verse number 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow you do not sow, that the body shall be but mere grain. Perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases to each seed its own body. Now look down at verse number 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. You see that? The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. And it is raised in power. Let's pray together. Father, we need you. We can do nothing without you. But I'm thankful by the promise of your word, we'll have a new body. Lord, we've got new life in you. I'm thankful this morning. That your word is true, but Lord, I can't preach it effectively, clearly, without your help. I need you, Holy Spirit, to speak to me and speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. There's three things that I want to share with you this morning concerning this verse of Scripture. First of all, I want us to look at verse number 35, at a problem that is presented. A problem, hey, listen up right here. A problem that is presented. You got me? Shake it like this if you got me thank you a problem that is pre- pre- presented look what it says verse 35 but someone will say how are the dead raised up everybody see that how are the dead raised up Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he knew what they were thinking he knew what they had to be asking he knew what they were saying to themselves how is it possible that these old bodies that are put in the grave will one day be raised up how does that happen how was that ever going Uh, going to come to pass. And we may ask the same thing because the truth is a lot of times when these old bodies go to the grave, they're just about used up, ain't they? I mean, folks, we've just about went as far as we go in them and and there's just not a whole lot left to raise up when the time comes. So how is it possible that that's going to take place? I had an uncle that uh, served in the military. He was in the army and actually was in the war in Korea. And while he was there, he lost About half his leg up past his foot. And so they fitted him with a prosthetic and he came home and lived with that the rest of his life. And when he came back home, not only did he lose his leg in Korea, but he worked as a carpenter. And one day he was running the table saw. And he went a little bit too far with the table saw and cut these two fingers off. So he was missing two fingers on his right hand that he lost here in America, and he was missing a part of his leg that he lost in Korea, and then he was buried in Alabama. So how is it possible that one day, when the resurrection happens for those who are dead in Christ, that all of those parts are going to be able to come together and be resurrected? How is that possible? With man, all things things are. This would be impossible. Would you agree? It's going to be hard to find those parts in Korea. It's going to be hard to find those fingers in America. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. How do I know this? Well, I believe this. If God is able to fashion the universe from nothing, surely He can fashion a resurrected body from something. Dr. Charles Spurgeon says something that I absolutely love. Man, if you don't know Charles Spurgeon, get to know him. Listen to what he said in his daily commentary, mornings and evenings with Jesus. Listen how he puts this. Man, it, it just blessed my soul when I saw it. Everything God does is wonderful. Do you know that? Everything God does is wonderful. I woke up this morning. Man, I got over here early this morning. About, I guess about six thirty, seven o'clock, something like that. And as I was driving over here, man, the the sky was so blue it hurt my eyes. Sunshine shining through. Birds are singing. I'm telling you, little squirrels were running all over these trees. Back here in the back when I pulled up into the parking lot. Just a great morning to be alive. This is truly the day the Lord has made. Can you say amen? Amen. It's wonderful what God has blessed us with. What a blessing it is to be here with all of you. This is a wonderful time to get in the people of God, is in the place of God, in the presence of God, hearing the Word of God. That's an amazing thing. It's wonderful what God does. Never miss the wonder that is around you every day. Never do that. Don't get used to it. Remain grateful and thankful for all that God is doing. Amen? Charles Spurgeon said, Everything God does is wonderful until we get used to it. Isn't that right? Until it becomes commonplace to us. We've looked at how the Lord framed the worlds by just His spoken word. We have saw the evidence that backs all that up. We've looked at all of that. We know it to be true. Can you say amen? Don't get used to it. If God can speak in the dark and cause light to come into existence, if God can stand on nothing and speak and create everything, if God can do that, surely He can fashion A resurrected body. And that's what he promises to do. Do you believe it? If you believe it, say amen this morning. There's a problem that is presented, but there's also a picture that is painted. Look at verse number 36. Watch how the Bible puts it. Foolish ones, Paul says, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Does that make sense to you? How many of y'all like to garden? Anybody? Just one of you? Two of you? Three of you? Some of you like to garden. Now, if you go out and you plant your garden, what do you do? You put seed in the ground. What has to happen before that seed can sprout into new life? First of all, it's got to be buried, doesn't it? It's got to be planted. It's got to be sown. See, there's a lot of people who call death the grim reaper. He's, death is not the grim reaper. It's a great sower. It sows the good seed. Now, guess what happens When that seed is sown into the ground, whether it be a corn kernel or a uh, wheat seed or, or whatever else you're planting, when you sow that seed, part of the seed dies, but part remains alive. Does it not? Now let me tell you something. We too have a part that remains alive. Jesus pretty much said that in John chapter number 11 when he said, He that believes in me shall never die. There's a part that remains alive. And see what the Bible is saying is there's coming a time when that part is going to sprout forth just like the seed in the ground. Paul paints a beautiful picture of what's going to take place when one day, listen to me now, at the last trump, we will all who are dead in Christ rise again from the grave. Now, there's a problem presented There's a picture painted. But now, let's look at the rest of this. This is the last thing that I want to show you. I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. So you listen fast, and I'll talk fast. There's also perfection that is promised. Perfection that is promised. Now look what happens. Down at verse number 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. Guess what we're doing here on planet Earth? We're sitting around here getting corrupted. Every one of us. We are all corrupted by the sin that has stained and marred this world. Why do we have death, disease, destruction? Because of sin. Why... Do we experience death in the first? because of sin? The Bible says it. Romans 6, 23. for the wages of sin is what? Death. And listen, sin brings corruption which brings death. We are sown in corruption. Every one of us. That's me, you, and everybody else. But now watch what the Bible promises. It says we are sown in corruption, but raised in what? Incorruption. That which is perfect. Corruption is sinful. Incorruption is free of sin. Corruption is falling and fading away. Incorruption is eternal. We will have eternal bodies. Raised in incorruption. First John chapter number 3 is one of my favorite verses in all the Word of God. First John chapter 3, starting in the verse number 1. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Watch this. I love how this puts it. <clears throat> Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, watch, we shall be like Him. You talk about a mouthful in one verse. Folks, so I going to tell you something. I could preach from now to next year at this time and we could never chew all the juice out of that subject. We shall be like Him. We shall be like Jesus. Are you hearing me? We shall be like the Son of God and God the Son. We shall be raised and incorruption. corruption. Now, the best way I know to describe what that looks like is what the Bible gives us on this subject. And the truth is, Dr. David Jeremiah said, God doesn't give us a whole lot of information on our resurrected bodies, for if He did, that's all we'd think about. He's probably right. I agree with him. (laughs) But the Bible does give us a glimpse, a picture, of what that looks like in the person of the Lord Jesus Himself. Listen, Jesus was resurrected on that first Easter morning. And then the Bible teaches that He spent 40 days with His disciples preaching the kingdom after His resurrection. 40 days. Now in that 40 days, He showed us a lot of stuff. First of all, He showed us that His new body was touchable. It was touchable. Let me give you some scripture. Let me give you a verse. It comes from the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 24, and I want to see verse 39. Luke 24, verse number 39. Watch how Jesus himself said this. He's speaking now to Doubting Thomas. You remember when Doubting Thomas uh, was not with the other disciples, when Jesus came the first time in the upper room, and Dr. Thomas said, Well, i tell you what, unless I see um, the, the prints of the nails in his hands, and in the prints of, uh, of the wound in his side, then I won't believe. So Jesus the Bible says, comes again when Thomas is then present with the rest of the disciples and he says this, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. However you understand, the new resurrected bodies that we will one day receive will be just like the one Jesus has, for we will be just like him. And if it's just like the one Jesus has, it's a real body. It's a touchable body. Everybody take your hand and, and pinch your other hand. Take your finger and pinch your, pinch your hand there. L- listen, i let you know you're real, right? You're touchable. You're here. Jesus said this. Jesus said, look, Thomas, if you want to touch me, touch me. Go ahead. I can be touched. He's not a spirit. He has a resurrected body. We will as well. 1 John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. I really like this verse. 1 John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. Watch this. But that which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. Watch. And our hands have handled. Isn't that good? Here you have John who followed Jesus. During his three and a half year earthly ministry. Here you have John. John who has now been preaching the gospel, pastoring churches, writing the book of Revelation, and finally he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and listen to what he says. He says, I know he is real. Why? Because I handled him with my hands. The apostles gave their life To preach the gospel. All of them were martyred except John. All of them were killed, not because they were doing something wrong, but because they were simply sharing the truth of who Jesus is. And guess what? To save their lives, all they had to do was shut up. They kept telling them, Quit preaching about this Jesus and we'll leave you alone. You know what James or John and Peter said? We cannot help but preach what we've seen and heard. John says, I know he's real, and I'm ready to give my life for the one who conquered the grave because I have seen him, I've heard him, and I've handled him with my own hands. Do you see that? It's a touchable body. Let me give you another one though. It's a recognizable body. Have you ever asked yourself the question, heard somebody ask, will we know one another in heaven? Of course we're going to know each other in heaven. My goodness. Wouldn't be heaven if I didn't know my loved ones. Right? How would it be heaven if I couldn't experience eternity with the ones who's going on before me. I've got a brother who's there that I can't wait to see again. I've got grandmas and grandpas, brothers and sisters in Jesus, uh, spiritual mothers and fathers in my faith that are there that I cannot wait to see. I want to see people like David and Daniel. Praise God, I want to see Mephibosheth. Look him up. I want to talk to him for a little bit. I want to see the great men and women of God that we read about on the pages of Scripture. And we're going to know them. The Bible says that in the book of 1 Corinthians as well. Let me give you that. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13. And look with me, if you will, please, verse number 12. 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, and the 12th verse. For now we see in a mirror dimly. That means where we are at this present hour, where we are living on this earth. We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, watch this now, just as I'm also known. That means I'll know you and you'll know me. Just as I know you now, i know you then. As you know me now, you'll know me then. It will be a recognizable body. Just as Jesus had a resurrected body that was recognizable, to his disciples. Now listen. It's, it's a touchable body. It's there. It's real. It's not a spirit. It's not a, a ghost floating around somewhere. It's a touchable body. It's a recognizable body. But, but this one I, re, I really, really love. Listen to me now. It's an unstoppable body. Let me tell you what I mean by this. I want you to think about this just a minute. Do you remember when Jesus came to the upper room after His resurrection. The Bible says His disciples, the apostles, were in the upper room with the doors locked. And then it says, Luke 24, that He came and stood in the midst of them. You need to know what it does say and what it doesn't say. What it doesn't say is He knocked on the door. It doesn't say anybody got up and unlocked it. It says, he came and stood in the midst of them. That means he came through the wall and appeared right where he needed to be. Unstoppable body, unhindered by matter. I'm going to tell you something. With the body we've got in now, Go try to run through that door in the back and see what happens. No, it's not going to happen. We, we can't do that now. But with our new body, evidently, it'll be unstoppable, unhindered by matter. Let me tell you this. It's going to be unhindered by space. You say, brother, what do you mean unhindered by space? Go and read, again, Luke 24, about the walk to Emmaus. Anybody ever read it? I'm giving you these scriptures because I want you yourself to go back this week and read them in your quiet time. It'd be a great preparation for Easter. All right, and on the walk to Emmaus, there's two disciples that are walking along the road there to Emmaus, all right, to a city. And as they're not, not disciples like we know, Peter, John, Matthew, Mark, all of, them, all of those guys, Peter, John, uh, Matthew, um, all the rest of the disciples. Not, it's not them, not Mark. I don't know why I said Mark, but all of their other disciples. It's not them. It's other followers of Christ, other believers, okay? Not the original 12. There's two of them walking down the road and they're talking about Jesus. Talking about how he claimed to be the Son of God, how he claimed to be the Messiah, and then he was killed in Jerusalem. And they meet someone on the road that begins talking with them. And the Bible says, as they talk together, as they talk together, that the hearts of those men began to burn. I love that because I know what they're talking about. You ever been reading the Word of God in your quiet time and your heart starts to burn? Where God's just, I'm talking about, showing up and showing out in that time with you. You ever been in a service like this and you're hearing the Word of God and that heart starts to burn? You ever been experiencing those close, intimate, personal times with the Lord when God gives you just what you need at the right time and that heart starts to burn? Isn't it awesome when Jesus comes near and their hearts start to burn? That's what happened to those men. And the Bible says, while they were yet speaking with him, he vanished from their sight. Then the next thing you're going to read is him going back to the upper room with Thomas. Walking into the midst of them through the locked door. So evidently he could think and be where he needed to be. At one minute he's on the road to mess with these disciples. The next minute he walks through the wall with the other disciples. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not hindered by matter. He's not hindered by space. I mean if we're going to get from point A to point B there's a lot that's got to go on between then. we got to get our keys, crank the car, do what we got to do, walk, whatever we're doing. But Jesus, he just evidently was thinking where he wanted to be and he was there. An unstoppable body, unhindered, listen to me, by matter, by space, and guess what? By time. It's weird getting old. Isn't it? I heard one pastor say it like this. He said that um, men have the Chester Drawer disease as they get older, it's when their chest falls down into their drawers. It's weird getting old. When you get old, when you start getting old, I've starting to experience some of this. I didn't know this was even going to happen. But you'll lose hair in places you want to keep it and gain hair in places you won't lose it. Right? It's weird getting old. Two weeks ago, I was at the gym training. And it's almost like this has just happened in the last little bit. I don't know what's going on. It's almost like, because I used to it, it didn't bother me that bad. I don't know what happened, but, well, I do know what happened. But we we were training on the jiu-jitsu mats. And I was training with a 20-something who was fixing to have a fight, 22, 23 years old. And we get on a mat together, man, and we're, we're, we're uh, doing our thing, sparring together. And it really wasn't about, I don't know, four or five minutes into it, I'd got to the place where I didn't think I was going to catch the next breath. I mean, I thought for sure I was about to meet the Lord. And so I just had to say, buddy, i gotta stop. I got to wait a minute. I didn't used to have to wait a minute. It's weird getting old. This body is falling and fading away. Aren't you thankful for the promise of a new body just like he is? Jesus is recorded, Dr. David Jeremiah said this this last week and I love it, he said that Jesus is recorded as as of eating at least twice in his new resurrected body. One of them is when he eats fish and honey among his disciples. And he said evidently we will be eating with our new bodies when we're in heaven. How many of y'all like that? Now, the good news is, this body will not be hindered by the food we eat, nor will it need the food we eat. See, it will not be for sustenance that we eat, but for pleasure. We're going to stay going in our new bodies by the power and presence of God. The only reason we'll be eating then is just because we like it. Now, I used to eat because I like it. And didn't gain a pound. But I don't do that anymore. When we get to heaven, we'll eat, not because we need it, but because we want to, with taste buds that have not been marred by sin itself. Listen to me. We really don't know how good things really are. Because the things we eat have been tainted by sin in this world. And the taste buds we taste with have been tainted by sin. All of that happened at the garden. Now, what Satan did in the garden to tear down man man and to break God's relationship with man, Jesus will one day make right in his heaven with our new glorified body. Isn't that good? I'm telling you, I don't even know how good chocolate and biscuits could be. And they are really good right now. The good news is, when I get to heaven, I can eat all the chocolate and biscuits I want. And won't have to worry about gaining a pound. That's just another little perk of the new body. Aren't you thankful? We've got the blessed hope of a new body and eternal life with the Lord. Now, that's for the believer. Let me ask you, have you made the decision to trust in Jesus? Do you know that you know that you've been born again? The believer has the hope of eternal life. The unbeliever who's rejected Christ, the only hope you have if you die without Jesus is the devil's hell. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What I've tried to do this morning is give you some, what I like to call dog bone theology. Let me tell you what dog bone theology is. Let's just say we've got a big old pit bull out there that's eating his food. And he's big old wide head, big old wide shoulders, and just mean as he could be, mean as a rattlesnake. What do you think would happen if you went up and tried to take that food bowl from him? Well, he'd bite your hand off. But now let me tell you this. If you really want to change that dog's attitude, you go and get you a T-bone steak and throw it out there to that dog. And then you can do whatever you want with that food bowl. See, what you've done is given that dog something better to go after what I'm trying to do today here is give you something better to go after and look forward to. And the way you receive it is by trusting in Jesus. Amen? Everybody stand together. just that. It's an invitation for you for all of us to do business with the Lord. I had a pastor years ago and that's what he always said. The invitation time is is time to do business and that's what it is. It's decision making time. That's why I like to have an invitation. It's time for you to make a decision to follow Christ if you've not yet done so. And I'm asking you, trust Him. If you need to be saved, come say, brothers, I need to be saved. Now walk this aisle, don't save you. I certainly can't save you, but I can share with you what it means to trust in Jesus and be born again straight from the Word of God. That's what I want to do. That's what I long to do. So if you need the Lord, you come. If you're here and you've already been saved, you say, brothers, well, I, I know I've been saved, but man, there's some things in my life that I know are not pleasing unto the Lord. Maybe God's convicted your heart over certain things that you need to not do or do as a believer. Maybe you just want to come and say yes to the Lord. Say yes, Lord, but what you want is the way I'm going to go. You're my Lord. You're my master. I'm trusting in you. I'm following you. Maybe you want to make that decision today. Maybe you said, brothers, well, I prayed about it, and this is where I know I'm supposed to be serving. I want to join this church. Again, I guess what I'm saying is, if you don't know Jesus... You hadn't been born again, come let us help you. If you do know Jesus and you don't have a place to serve, won't you come help us? That's the invitation. If you need the Lord this morning, won't you come? I'll be glad to pray with you at any time.